My brothers and sisters, today as we reflect upon this reading from John chapter 20, we have this kind of this moment on that first Sunday morning. And it, it's really the beginning of kind of the awakening in the hearts and the minds of those first followers of Christ. We are at that point in time where the empty tomb is there, but nobody has really seen or encountered the risen Christ yet. Later on in the day, we'll see these three characters, uh, Peter and the beloved disciple, whom we know as John, who is the author of this gospel, as well as Mary Magdalene. Later on in the day, they will actually have face-to-face encounters with the risen Christ. But we're going to hold off on that right now. Right now, we're just going to talk, call a time out in this moment where we see an empty tomb. Because at this point in time, that is all the evidence that they have to deal with. And it beckons the question for you and for me, what are we going to do with an empty tomb? It's not enough just to read this story and to see that that first Sunday morning on the resurrection day that others believed. The question is always pressed to us as well. Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe he's the son of God? Do you believe in the resurrection? These are the things that as Christians we come and we proclaim and we remember and we sing. But at the end of the day, each person has to square away with that question on their own. They have to look at themselves in the mirror and say, what do I believe? For Mary Magdalene, when she came, the empty tomb had to mean something. And for where she was at in her mind, she just thought that meant that someone had taken the body. So she sees that the stone has been rolled away and she runs to Peter and the beloved disciple John and she says, somebody has taken the body away. Peter and John start running toward the tomb. I love how John kind of slides in uh, here that he's faster than Peter. He's like, yeah, we were running and the beloved disciple, you know, he outdid Peter to the tomb and he goes and, and he looks in and all he sees are is the linen cloth that was on Jesus' body. And, and he looks over and he also sees that the head covering on Jesus' body's head was wrapped up and laid neatly uh, there where Jesus lay. Peter, of course, even though he's not as fast as John, he's a lot more bold. And so Peter goes inside the tomb and looks around, takes a really good look as, at what's going on. And then John follows him him in and they look around and they see the evidence and they both get up and then the scripture ends it says they go home that's it they see the empty tomb and they go home we know that if somebody had robbed this grave and stolen the body they would not have taken the time to take off the clothes around Jesus. They would have taken the time to not only take the clothes off, and, but to also fold the head covering. They, they would have just come in, snuck the body out, and got out of there as fast as they could. That was enough evidence for the beloved disciple. Somewhere in, in that moment, it all hit him. The, the spark happened, and faith began. You see, for John and for all the disciples, they were on the wrong track. 
They were following Jesus, but Jesus was kind of like on track A. John and all the other disciples, and we've really seen Peter in this route, have, have been on track B. So they're kind of behind Jesus, but they're, they're still wanting this to end in their own way. Jesus is the Messiah. The job description of the Messiah is that he's going to come in. He's going to overthrow the corrupt Jewish leadership. He's going to drive out the powers that be. In this case, it happened to be Rome. And God's people, Israel, is going to be great again. They're going to be magnificent. And and all the world will come. And it's this combination of, of worshiping God combined with all the sovereign power in the world. What a great combo pack. God and power all at the same time. But yet along the way, even though Jesus acknowledged to his disciples, I am the Messiah, along the way, Jesus was dropping these hints that made it sound like his story wasn't going to end up the way that they had envisioned it. He started saying things like, well, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. I'm going to be handed over and be killed by the chief priests and the scribes, a.k.a. the corrupt Jewish leadership. And then he said this weird thing, I'm going to rise again. Peter and John and all the other disciples kind of being on this track, they couldn't understand it. It it just didn't make sense. And they did not get it. We look back on these scriptures from, you know, 2,000 years later and we're thinking, well, how in the world could they not understand that? But you know what, friends? When you're in your paradigm, it's hard to get out of your paradigm. When you're on your track, it is hard to know what to do with things that Jesus was saying. They couldn't jump track. And so the only thing that really could happen is that they had to give up hope in their way of it working out. We all have a version of this in our own lives. We have a vision for what our life could be or should be. You, you know, a little bit of the American dream or what we think the American dream is uh, pumped into a lot of other hopes and aspirations. You can do anything you want. All those kinds of things wrapped up into these visions of what we could be someday. And those aren't always bad. Those are fine. But sometimes our vision for our life, our dream is not in line with God's will. It's not always in line with what God wants. And so what happens is we have to come to this place where our dream and our track comes to an end. We have to lose hope in our way of doing things before we'll ever really begin hoping God's way of doing things. This can come in ways that are kind of bitter sometimes and difficult. Maybe it's a loss of a job or a loss of a relationship or a loss of a loved one. Things happen in life that remind us that we are fragile, vulnerable people. We are not in control of our own destiny. We did not create ourselves, and we really are not the author of our own path, ultimately, when it comes down to it. For these disciples, that really was their life. They thought that Jesus was going to take them to point A. And that track came crashing down. That train had a major wreck. 
I can only imagine what those disciples were thinking, uh, not only on that Thursday night that Jesus was arrested, but the Friday he was crucified, and then Friday afternoon after he had died, Friday evening, Saturday, Saturday morning, waking up, thinking maybe it was just a nightmare, and no, it is real. Everything they had put their hope into, they thought they were jumping on the Jesus train and it was going to take them to their understanding of what greatness was going to be. And it all came crashing down. I can only imagine the bewilderment, the shock, the emotions, the temptations to, to self-hatred, the depression, the hopelessness. All of it mixed into one emotional package on Friday and Saturday. And yet, maybe somewhere deep down in their hearts and their minds, there's still this memory of some things that Jesus said that, that still doesn't make sense, even, even with the way things are now. There's, there's still something that's just not fitting. And so comes Sunday morning. They come to this tomb. They enter in. And as it says, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. He saw and believed. Did he see the risen Christ? No. He saw an empty tomb. You know, we all need some evidence. We all need a little bit of something to hang our hat on. Something to get us going. Something to get us started. Something that says, yeah, there's, there's something to this. An empty tomb is the beginning of that evidence. And for the beloved disciple, that's all he needed. He saw, and then he believed. You know, it kind of makes you wonder, what, what comes first? It's kind of a chicken and egg question. Does, do, you, do you see something, and then you believe it? Or do you have to believe it before you see it? My personal answer to that question is both and. God gives us something to work with. We are here today to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A historical event that really happened in time and space. We're not up here saying it was a pretend thing or a mythological thing. We are here to remember that God, in the midst of human history, raised a dead body to die no more. A body that will never die, a body that won't get arthritis, a body that won't break a, an arm, a body that won't get the coronavirus or the flu or anything else. A body that is fit and made for eternity, created by God. A new creation right in the midst of this world, in the midst of time and space, in the midst of human history, just like today. Just in case you're unclear about what we're celebrating here. That is what God has done. The empty tomb 
the beloved disciple believed. What are you going to do with an empty tomb in your life? You see, God has given us enough evidence. Somewhere in there, as we put our hearts out there before God, as we worship Him and call upon His name, as we pray and ask Him to show us and to give us faith, somewhere in there, faith can happen. Like an a electronic charge that, that jumps the gap. Faith happens. The lights go on. Seeing leads to believing. But beyond that, once we believe, it changes the way we see things. Why do you think Jesus was seeing things differently than the disciples were? They had some significant blinders on so that the things that Jesus was seeing and talking about were very real. But they couldn't get it because their faith was lacking. Isn't that what Jesus continued to say to them again and again and again? He kept saying, you of little faith. I mean, he just kind of drugged these guys along for three years. They didn't get it all the way to the last day of his death. You have little faith. When we begin to grow in faith, our eyes are open. I don't know about you, but this last year, it's been a tough year for a lot of people. What has this last year done to you spiritually? Have you grown stronger in your faith? Or have you grown weaker in your faith? You know, one thing I've learned is that the conditions around us are not always uh, the things that are responsible for our faith. You can have a person A, and when their life gets hard, their faith gets stronger. You have person B, when their life gets hard, their faith gets weaker. It's not the outside conditions. It's something in the human heart. What is in your heart? And what have the conditions of the past year done to your heart and to your mind? Maybe you need to say, Man, I have more faith than I ever had. This virus, all this social distancing, it's just really brought me to that place where I realize I need God every single day and my faith is stronger than ever before. If that is you, praise be to God. Don't let up. If life gets easier the next year, don't, don't let an easier life mean that you can relax on exercising your faith. For others, though, there's a need to say, you know what, I just got to be honest with myself. All the challenges and conditions of this last year, I've, I've kind of pulled away from others, and I've also pulled away from God. I've allowed the things of the world to distract me. I've allowed the, the five bazillion news outlets that I read on my iPad to take the place and the attention of my focus of God in my life, and I cannot say that I am stronger than my faith than I was a year ago. And if that is you, then you're still in a good place because this is the place where we confess. This is the place where we say, Lord, I, I have allowed things in my life to keep me from being in a loving, strong, believing relationship with you. And I need your forgiveness, Lord. And as we come out of this pandemic, Lord, would, would you just push the reset button on my faith so that I can get 
on your track rather than just what I think is best for my life. Because, Lord, I believe that what you think is best is actually better than what I think is best. What are you going to do with an empty tomb this year? What are you going to do when God is showing signs of His goodness all over the place? Do you have, as Jesus would say, eyes to see and ears to hear? Oh, that as we come before Him, He would give us faith. He would give us eyes to see and a heart to believe.